You're listening to the Industry Alchemist podcast. The definition of alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation or creation. This podcast exists to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders doing just that in their industry. We hear about the journey of the brave souls carving a new path, moving their industry and our lives forward in a seemingly magical way. This episode is brought to you by OfficeChief.com. Office Chief exists to make moving your office easy and painless. Moving an office can be a big hassle. On top of running your company, you're thrown into having to figure out what to do. Hire space planners, furniture companies, movers, IT consultants, the list goes on. It only takes two minutes to create a profile and Office Chief gives you a step-by-step action plan and connects you with the top vendors in your market. Moving your office? Log on to officechief.com and make it easy. I'm your host, Matt Brower, co-founder and managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, helping companies save money on their real estate. I'm also founder and CEO of OfficeChief.com, an online resource for businesses moving their office or updating their space. Hey guys, welcome to the Industry Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Matt Brower. This episode's uh, guest is a leader in the e-learning industry. After getting a finance degree from CU Boulder, He was a sales director at two different tech companies until he founded the CE Shop in 2005. The CE Shop is a fast-growing e-learning company focused in the real estate industry, serving a national audience of real estate professionals through the delivery of real estate licensing and online continuing education courses. This is particularly interesting to me, being in the commercial real estate industry myself, It's also a pertinent topic in today's remote world as all education has been forced online, at least for the time being anyway. I'm excited to jump in and learn more about this topic from a true expert, so thank you so much for being here, Michael McAllister. Thanks, Matt. My pleasure. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to jump in by uh, asking you, of all uh, industries that require continuing education, how did you end up in, uh, you know, focused in the real estate sector um, talk about kind of the background and how you led, led you into that. Sure, yeah. It's actually a, a fun kind of, I think it's foundational to entrepreneurship, actually, and success as an entrepreneur. Anyway, so I grew up in a single-parent household. My mom raised three of us as a single parent. So as at the age of five, um, that's how old I was when my dad left. And my mom um, dove in and began a career in real estate. So as soon as it was safe enough for us to literally walk the neighborhood and put door hangers out and move signs around, it was really a family business. So I understood from the ground up what the industry was all about and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. And then... So you and your siblings were kind of her uh, her workforce. It's called free labor. Helpers. Yeah, exactly. Well, child labor, too, it sounds like. No. <laughs> hey. hey, wherever it's legal, right? Yeah. Um, and then after my freshman year at school in Boulder... My mom literally grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and said, go to real estate school. And I didn't understand why at the time, mm-hmm. but I followed her direction and, and did so. And I was definitely the youngest person in the classroom and later found out I was the youngest licensed broker in the state of Colorado at the time at the age of 18. So 18. I learned What year was that? So are you going to make a call? <laughs> I had to call you out on Let's anything, see. No. That would have <laughs> you don't been... have to answer that question. <laughs> Let's just say early 90s. Okay. Early 90s. Yeah. Uh, but it was a great experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember sitting in the class looking at all these, you know, gray-haired people in front of me thinking, I'm so glad I know this now. I mean, I hadn't purchased my first piece of property at that point. But right. 
I was so grateful because all these other people were saying, oh my gosh, I wish I'd known that. I wish I'd known this, you know, before I bought or sold these pieces of property. So yeah, uh, when it came time to start a business of my own, it really was important to me that I combine um, passion for something that I'm interested in with mm. something that I know about. Mm -hmm. So the CE shop was really the opportunity to blend together a love of education, a love of real estate, and a love of technology. And it's, it's really just been an amazing ride. Wow. So you, uh, in the early days, it sounds like, did you uh, get into the rental business as well? Did you, you know, were you involved in buying and selling homes and brokering deals and everything as well? I did. Cool. I did. I was, um, I've always let my mom run the transaction because she was in it every day. Yeah. You know, I think there's a danger in when you don't do things on a regular basis to dip into it, especially with something like the purchase or sale of real estate. You know, yeah. let the experts do it, right? And I, I had a broker's license, but I was, you know, certainly not an expert in it. Yeah, I bought my first house. Um, those in Denver will know just north of um, Cherry Creek Mall in the 7th Avenue Historic District. I bought the oh. ugliest house in the best neighborhood and really, um, you know, fixed and flipped it myself. I mean, I did all the work really? myself. And it was this little 60s ranch style house that I paid $139,000 for. In that neighborhood? <laughs> yeah. Jeez, probably $2.5 million now. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> pretty ridiculous. Yeah, so we Crazy. did that, and then it was really just the classic kind of leverage story. You know, built equity, refinanced that property, bought some other rental properties. Um, and the, the cash that came out of those properties really was the seed capital for the CE shop. Nice. So um, the one of the main reasons why I do this podcast is – I like uh, interviewing entrepreneurs that have pushed their way into an industry and like pushed a new technology into an industry to kind of move, move our lives forward. I know real estate as being an industry that is very, pretty slow for the most part, especially commercial real estate. Residential is a little better, but, uh, but slow to adopt new technologies. Thinking back in 2005 and those early days, what kind of challenges, obstacles did you come across, had to overcome, trying to get this industry to you know, adopt this new thing, new way of uh, licensing and continue education of their, uh, of their people versus going to a classroom and sit there for days at a time? Sure. Yeah, G great question. Taking me back. It's been 15 years now. It's funny, you know, when you start a, a new business, a lot of what you learn and the heartaches in the beginning sort of become fuzzy memories. But as we talk about it, it was really, it was similar to pushing a rope uphill in terms of an antiquated industry. Real estate education is and was, or was and is to some degree still dominated by a baby boomer population oh, who yeah. were either in real estate and decided that they'd prefer to teach it um, and large brick and mortar schools. So, you know, when we came out and said, Hey, you know, there's a better way to do this. You know, we've got a mobile workforce. We've got people that are transitioning from other careers that really don't have the ability to go sit in the classroom. It was really a lot of education, which is kind of ironic. We've got a sales team now upwards of two dozen people out on the street across the country. And I still emphasize to them the importance of educating the customer base about the value proposition mm. because, I don't know what for sure it is about the real estate industry, but there is sometimes a tendency to be slow to change. 
And part of that might be that it's so steeped in regulatory guidelines. There's so many rules and regulations and contracts, and it's an intensive business. Yeah. Um, but that was that was the biggest thing was just educating our industry about the advantages of learning online, which really wasn't challenging to the practitioner. The National Association of Realtors has always said that the average member is a 52-year-old female. Was then and is now. Really. Oh my gosh. That's the average demographic profile. Well, if you go back to 2005, a 52 year old female really wasn't very tech savvy. Mm -hmm. They just weren't. Well, obviously, the technological skills of that whole audience has really grown. It's had to grow. I mean, those in real estate today won't survive if the, unless they embrace technology. So right. that's been a tailwind that's really helped us. The other thing that happened that was interesting in 2008, which we all know what happened in our industry nationally at that point, was that our marketing efforts, which were primarily due um, direct marketing to publicly available lists of licensees, began to diminish. Our return on those investments diminished because the licensing lists could be anywhere from one year to four years old, depending on the state, because that was the last time the licensee renewed their license okay. and we had their, their contact information. So here we are sending you know all these pieces of direct mail to licensees that said, I'm out. You know, I can't survive the downturn. It right. was a part-time thing, whatever it was. So you're spending those marketing dollars for a lot of times nothing. We just saw our return on that investment continue yep. to diminish. So right. um, I came up with an alternative strategy to go to market, and that was through an affiliate channel. So I thought, well, who are the people that actually know who the people are that need continuing education? Mm -hmm. In other words, these lists of licensees that are years old aren't working for us. Right. So who does? Well, it was people like yourself. It was brokers. Mm. It was realtor associations. Uh, and to some degree, some real estate schools. So we really developed a relationship with all those industry stakeholders and said, hey, we can be your education partner. You don't need to invest in all the curriculum and all the online tools and all the, you know, the technology that we have. We'll just put a symbiotic relationship in place where you can direct your agents and brokers to us for, your edu for their education. Way more efficient, keeps them out in front of clients and prospects rather than sitting in the classroom. Right. And the associations loved it because it was a source of non-dues revenue for them. They're always looking for ways to bolster their value proposition to the to the licensee. Um, yeah. So That's that was that, idea, but yeah. that was a that was certainly a challenge. I mean, I hit the road and drove all over the country and met brokers and realtor associations and developed these relationships. And now, you know, we've got a, a growing team and thousands of partners across the country. That's great. So, uh, did I hear you correctly? Are you? Uh, sometimes partnered with a real estate school to be their e-learning arm? Correct. Oh, wow. I didn't know yep. that. That was kind of the third. The primary channel partner were really the associations because mm -hmm. during the downturn, they were really looking for support yeah. and help. And people don't know this, but there's upwards, so there's over a 1,000 uh, realtor associations around the country. Oh, jeez. So there's the National Association, but then there's state, and then yeah. there's locals. So there's lots of them, and they don't have large budgets and large staff, so they really appreciated having a relationship with someone that gave them a turnkey solution to offer this to their membership. So they were really right. our first partners. And then when we got into the pre-licensing business, real estate brokers were great because those that are actively recruiting new, new agents yeah. loved our product. Loved our product because it kept the customer engaged. It didn't; they didn't have to send a potential recruit to the classroom, where they could get recruited by the brokers. Right. This yep. kept them insulated, kept them engaged with the education, and the very best. And we have the best licensing exam pass rates of any 
any technology in the classroom in the industry. Oh, really? Wow. So brokers love that because they know if they find somebody sharp that you know this as a broker, if you want to recruit somebody and they need to go to school, you want them to have the highest likelihood of passing the exam. Exactly. And actually yeah. learn something. I always right. say that our coursework, since it's delivered contextually, it's not just reading law and you know really dry stuff. It's all delivered in a contextual format that mm-hmm. adults need in order to learn properly. I always say that a new licensee is going to show up maybe on the 10 yard line for you as opposed to back in the end zone on day one. Because wow, that's a, a little, great analogy. There's, there's a few dots connected, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't really know much until they get out there and they work with you as a broker yeah. to understand the business, but at least there's some contextual dots connected yeah. from the pre license. And that's program. coming from the, the way you guys. Uh disseminate the information and your curriculum yep the way we deliver it that's great right so that's your original question i mean those were some of the challenges that we had i mean you know as a startup in 2005 we almost didn't realize that the downturn happened because we were just pushing uphill the whole time in other words we didn't have a business that got deteriorated what happened were some of the larger incumbent players actually fell out so it was an opportunity for us to take market share at that point so Uh i don't know i mean i've always looked at everything as an opportunity and you know to do something and do more and to innovate so yeah, um, yeah how to challenge. pivot and yeah challenges are just opportunities yeah uh, what a great uh, <laughs> what a great time to i mean right now for the last several months i think everyone has been forced to have to do that so and those that are looking at it uh from that lens are i think you know for the most part creating some pretty cool things and i know it's a tough thing to do but um Opportunity comes in the time of challenge. It does. Yeah. It, it, you know, there's, there's uh, many, many, many really innovative businesses that are being incubated and started right now. Yep. Because yep. necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah, exactly. When the pain is great enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what uh, the great segue, actually. What has, I think I know the answer to this question, but what has occurred in your business since all this happened? Um, I know we just talked about you have seen an uptick but what uh is there anything driving anything in particular uh any areas driving the growth that you guys are achieving right now yeah you know we feel really fortunate it's it's with mixed feelings that i say that our business has grown right um significantly since the pandemic started um you know in the midst of thousands of people losing their lives and people losing their businesses. I mean, as an entrepreneur, my heart just aches mm-hmm. for people who have put their heart and soul into creating a business and their financial resources into creating a business that's totally out of their control, crumbling, crumbling right now. So yeah, that just is really painful for me. But then I'm reminded that we're creating economic opportunity for exactly. other people during this time. Yeah. So during good times, people get into the real estate industry because it's viewed as an easy, right? Yeah. During challenging times and corporate layoffs, people also are sparked with this entrepreneurial spirit. I truly believe that a career in real estate is one of the true last entrepreneurial opportunities in our country that has very few barriers to entry with some work ethic, uh, a people personality, and a modest amount of capital, you can really be successful. Yeah. So our growth in our business has been significant during during the pandemic. Uh, we're seeing uh, classroom education across the country shut down for the most part. So those tailwinds that we were experiencing and move from classroom to online education throughout all educational systems has really sped up. 
um, both in continuing education, but then really in pre-licensing education. You know, a typical pre-licensing course, depending on the state, can be anywhere from 40 hours to upwards of 180 here in Colorado. Yeah, it's significant. So, you know, I, people don't want to go sit in the classroom with 50 strangers for three weeks right now. Like, that's just not appealing. And so, nobody wants to take on the risk of having that many people in, in a room together either. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's fascinating, really. You think about just how abruptly and swiftly major changes happened in people's industries and businesses. It's yeah. just, it's nothing anybody could have foreseen. Yeah. So, well, I want to also echo something you touched on. This is what I've always thought about Uber and Lyft and some of these uh, platforms that exist, food delivery services, these platforms that exist to, which basically offer people the opportunity to create a living and it's a very low barrier to entry. Real estate does the same thing, and that's, I would imagine a lot of people, when they are losing their jobs, uh, this is an industry to consider because, hey, everyone knows, everyone, you know, for the most part has family members or friends that they could potentially help buy or sell a house. You can earn a, you know, very decent living doing so, and hey, I just got laid off or I'm being furloughed what am I going to do to pay bills for the next uh, couple of years? Why not try real estate? It's, mm -hmm. it's a very, very smart thing to think about right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that real estate, if you talk to most real estate professionals, they'll tell you that they transitioned to this industry during some major change in their life. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was, you know, getting married or getting divorced or you know, losing a job or the kids going off to college or, I mean, it's often a second or third career yeah. for many people. So I think big societal shifts and major transitions just, you know, encourage people to get involved. Media has done a really good job in spreading the industry as well. I mean, if you think about Scripps Networks and HGTV and all the things that they've created, everybody's fascinated oh, with yeah. real estate. That's true. And it really is viewed as something that's relatively simple. You and I both know it's anything but simple and it's anything but easy. Yeah. But the rewards can be really, really terrific. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reality shows right now involving real estate. What's that one? Uh, Million dollar list. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> you know, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of licensees in new york those that get to list 10 million dollar penthouses are few and far between exactly so yeah i'm sure they uh, can't imagine what how long it takes and what you know how much networking it takes to build to that level but uh, good for them right <laughs> right so in the midst of all this um you know drive toward e-learning uh, as we're being forced to do so have you guys considered uh any other offering any other curriculum, any industries, diversifying your uh, curriculum in any way? or You know, we have. It's actually been a topic that's been out there for a long time for us. We uh, reached a national footprint of continuing education, meaning we did business in all states back in 2013. Oh, wow. And that was the that's point cool. at which we launched a pre-licensing product, and now we're in 30-plus states. So we've got a team of almost 30 people. All they do is create and manage curriculum. Wow. And so, and we do it really well. We do it really efficiently. We do it effectively for the learner. And so it's really, we view that as a key asset to our business that we want to hang on to when we want to accelerate and move into other places. In fact, our vision is to be the world leader in professional education. 
So oh, it's nice. big, right? Yeah. I mean, from real estate education to world leader in education. The how, we don't necessarily know yet. What we do know is we've got some core competencies that can be translated into lots of places. Yeah. So we've engaged some research um, resources over the last 12 months and are going to go into a second phase of that in the early um, 2021 to really look at where can we most, where can we have the biggest impact with the core competence that we have? Everything from the technology platform, the learning methodology, the curriculum development processes, even to the sales and marketing go-to-market strategies. Mm -hmm. So the CE shop is really good at what we do. Um, you know, we've won a number of awards, been a best place to work for multiple years. And so there's so much runway and so much trajectory. But what's really created our success to date, Matt, is our focus. Mm. We've been solely focused on the real estate industry. Our partners appreciate that. Our team appreciates that. It really allows us to be the very best at what we do. Yeah, your brand so, is just solid in the in the industry. The brand is solid, and we're yeah. really good at what we do, honestly. I mean, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs suffer from the shiny object syndrome, yeah. of which I did early on, too. I kept thinking, God, there's so many things we can go do. This would be cool. This would be great. But I was always brought back to the back to the center line and said, just stay focused and be the very best at what you can, at what you're doing because the market opportunity is plenty large. Right. So, but we're at a point where we need to and want to expand beyond real estate and we will. I'm anxious for the, for the pandemic impact to level out a little bit and kind of understand the long-term implications as it relates to education uh, so that we can really, and you might be able to see which, uh, yeah, which industry, is really ready to adopt this. Yeah, I mean, when I look yeah. at applying our core competencies to the place where we can add the most value, that place where we can add the most value is kind of in flux right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, things are moving all over the place. I mean, every single day we wake up and the rules of the game are different, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think it's important for that to settle down a little bit. Um, but rest assured, I mean, we're going to continue to grow and grow in, in lots of different ways. Right. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and it, that's you guys... Uh, have been doing since 2005 what most companies have been forced into in the last several months. So you have it dialed in. You've like this is this is what you do. Uh, it's almost you know I try to always remind myself to like see what shows up, trust what shows up. Maybe maybe uh, the universe or whoever uh, God or who whatever your belief system is. We'll, we'll send you what's next. Uh, I always try to like be in that mindset. Um, you have to be quiet to listen. Yeah, exactly. You have to be quiet to listen. And yeah. I also believe that until some things move out of the way, right. there isn't space for anything new. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a, if you build it, they will come mentality. You've built it. So let's see what shows up. Well, cool. build, it, build it and they will come or just be quiet and find out what's yeah. next, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a better way to put it, yeah. Which is one of the things that we've seen and I've heard you know, repeatedly throughout this pandemic is people have really appreciated the time to be quiet. Right. I mean, it's had a profound impact on us societally in good ways and lots of negative ways. Mm -hmm. But personally, I think you know, we've really had to ground ourselves and be okay with being alone or being with your family and your house. I mean, I feel fortunate to live in a great city where we can be outside and the weather's nice and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. there's parts and corners of our world where people have really had to go inside, literally, you know, inside their heart and their soul and think about, you know, what's meaningful to them, what's important for them. And I think, 
we're all forced into that corner of our world at some point in our lives. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, the powers that be decided that collectively we needed some help getting to that quiet place to listen for a little while. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, uh, viewpoint or, you know, great look at that. So um, before I, w- I do want to jump into more, some more personal questions about you. But before I do, how do people, um, how do listeners find out more about the CE shop, whether uh, they're an individual looking to maybe get licensed and explore real estate or they are uh, an organization that wants to, you know, partner with you in some way? Sure, sure. No, I appreciate that. Um, TheCEShop.com has everything you need. Cool. Uh, it's, our website's really geared for the potential, the um, potential or existing practitioner um, to find the coursework that they need, but there's lots of opportunities to connect with our sales team too. If there's a, a brokerage firm or a real estate school or association out there that is looking for right. really the very best licensing education that exists. Very cool. All right. Yeah. And we're, we'll put links on that, uh, when we post and in the description and everything too. So great. Thank you. Perfect. So jumping into a little more personal questions so we can kind of get to know you as an individual, as what drives you as an entrepreneur and, uh, you mentioned focus, what keeps you focused. Uh, I just want to, you know, uh, these can be rapid fire, uh, depends on uh, kind of where we go with it. But um, what or who has had a big impact in your life throughout your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, man. Anything comes to the, mind. The list is long. I like, I like to jump. Uh, uh, I like to uh, throw these out just on the fly too. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Whatever comes top of um, mind first. The list is long. Yeah. You know, I think I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that my mom was an inspiration. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. being, you know, in your 30s with three young kids and no financial resources and diving into a business that requires so much self-drive and independence. So wow. I'm often reflect back on, you know, now I have a team of you know, a hundred plus people that are all paddling in the same direction, but to be a sole independent entrepreneur, I was also really fortunate to have a number of people growing up that were independent business people. And I just always knew that that's where I wanted to go. Hmm. That's, but I also knew that I had to spend 10 years in the corporate world learning, not always what I wanted, but sometimes what I didn't want. Yeah. And then I really wanted, always wanted to be in business for myself. Always. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you j- were to have jumped right into real estate and only did that, you probably would have a very different view on how business runs than if you w- did go experience corporate world. Exactly. For a while. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Um, are there any books or thought leaders that you've um, followed, read, found particularly helpful through your through your journey? You know, early on, I read um, Gino Wickman's stuff on the EOS entrepreneurial operating system, which was really helpful to me. Mm-hmm. It provided a little bit of, of guidance. Um, one book that we talk about, a couple books that we talk about a lot about in our business, one was uh, written by John Case called Open Book Management, hmm. which really is about open book management. In other words, uh, some companies keep information, strategy, data, financials kind of under cloak and veil. Right. And we've believed since the very beginning that the more information we can share with our team, the better. And the analogy there is that when the team knows what's coming, what, where we've been, where we are, and what's coming, we can better respond together. So sort of like the team rowing in the boat. If everybody right. knows exactly where we're going and what resources we have, 
that's beneficial to everybody. So open book management is an absolute must read. It's an old book. I mean, there's nothing really super progressive about the delivery of the material, but it's just foundational to how I think businesses operate best. And the other one is Andrew Grove's Only the Paranoid Survive. We talk about that a lot. Oh, wow. I haven't heard of that. In terms of there's always someone on your heels. So, you know, you should be attuned to what else is happening out there. In other words, don't get arrogant. Don't right. don't assume you've got the, the market cornered. Don't assume that you're the best at what you do. There's always someone out there that's working hard, well-capitalized. Overtakes your market share. Absolutely. <laughs> it can come out of nowhere. I mean, the CE shop was that yeah. in 2005. We came out and, and really hit some incumbent players who had owned the market, primarily in the textbook business, for years. Well, there's a CE shop out there today run by someone like myself, 15 years younger, with 15 years younger, more energy, (laughs) more creativity, and with the pace at which technology evolves and the amount of capital that's in the market today, you just cannot be complacent. Yeah, it reminds me of that old saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. Absolutely. business. Absolutely. One of our core values is uh, a commitment to improving. Hmm. which means that we always have to be looking for the next thing. Yeah. And we've been really good about it. We've taken some major leaps forward in our industry, which is challenging to do in such a regulated, in such a regulated space. But we're, we've continued to invest in more innovation, more innovation, yeah. more innovation, because we have to stay ahead. Um, I'm very familiar with the EOS uh, operating system, um, having been used to be involved in EO Colorado mm-hmm. here. And I know that core value is a very big part of uh, what to dial in to create that, help create that machine. You mentioned one of them. What are your other company core values? Our core values are who we are. We often say you could drop our team with our core values into any business yeah. and, and we, would, we would survive. So That's they're really cool. in no particular order. Yeah. Being customer, uh, We are customer focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually spend an hour with our new hires talking about all our core values and what they mean contextually to the business. Because they're not just words on a wall, and they really mean a lot to us. But the customer, the customer is, is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we respect each other uh, in today's world, I think that's more important than ever. I don't care where you come from, where you go on Sunday, if you go anywhere on Sunday, yeah. who you live with, whatever. You have our total respect as an individual and as a, as a professional. Cool. Um, I'm not going to give you my whole hour-long core value speech. Just, <laughs> just so you know. We could do that on, on another the, podcast. Although <laughs> I do love it. I could talk about it forever. I'm the same way. I love core values. That's yeah. Right. So we're committed to improving. Okay. That's another key one that is just, um, you know, so foundational. So foundational to what we do. Yeah. Um, we have fun is another core value, which I think life's just way too short not to have fun. Um, there's like... This life is so, so short that if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you should do something else. And I'm very yeah. open with the team about that. You know, you should absolutely um, um, go find what you are passionate yeah, about. Yeah, go do something you're passionate yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. We actually added a core value in um, 2014 when we started our um, charitable foundation, which is We Give Back. Because hmm. it was at that point when we reached that national footprint of licensing education. Yep. Um, that we said, how do we give back? We've got to do more than just, you know, build our business and make money, which is when we started that. So that's kind of a sampling of, of what our culture is all about, which is our core values. Yeah, that's great. 
What, uh, uh, the foundation, what do you, what does it exist for? What do you support? Uh, what causes? Oh, uh, now you've hit my, now you've hit my real passion yeah. button. So the okay. CE Shop Foundation was started in 2014, as I mentioned. Yeah. And I've always believed that to whom much is given, much is expected. And that's just, that's just what, that's just the way I grew up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what I believe. So in looking at how we could make a major impact, we decided that we wanted to get involved in youth health and education initiatives. And specifically, we decided to support the school age backpack program. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah, where they fill up backpacks full of supplies for kids. This is actually uh, in, in, this is actually for food. Oh, so okay. there's backpacks, and I put that in air quotes for those listening, is traditionally thought of as a school supplies for kids. Yeah. Or this is really backpacks of food, or they're about plastic um, grocery bags of food. So there's about 20, 30, uh, about 30 million children in the U.S. that are on either a free or subsidized school lunch. And this is all socioeconomic. Yeah. And the school districts have done a phenomenal job of feeding those kids breakfast and lunch oftentimes during the week. But what happens on the weekend is they go home and sometimes might have a Coke and a Twinkie or just really poor nutrition over the weekend. Yeah. So when they were showing back up in the classroom on Monday morning, they were totally ill-equipped to learn. They had behavioral issues. It was just a real challenge. So it would really set them back. So they really weren't back on course until maybe Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday. So the school-age backpack program is really kind of a generic term for providing food to kids on free and subsidized school lunches over the weekend. So we said this is a great spot to start. It was actually a program that, um, due to our family situation, we participated in as kids, so it was near and dear to me. So what we do is we, the CE Shop Foundation, raises funds to support those programs. That Um, is awesome. It's been an absolute blast. So, and and this is a topic that, I've always thought, God, this is a huge problem right now when kids aren't going to school. They're not being fed at, you know, via the cafeteria for breakfast and lunch. They're at home mm-hmm. all day, every day. What, what's happening now? Hopefully there's programs like that that are taking care of these kids. Yeah, the school districts have really stepped up. We work with schools in Denver, um, Adams, and Aurora. Okay. And they have continued to feed kids have they through the summer so kids can show up at school have meals and our program continues to get food out to those schools on fridays to take home on the weekends it's it's so rewarding and so foundational yeah i mean for me it was like how can we possibly live in this incredible wealthy country that we do and there's young people worried about food Mm -hmm. they should be concerned about going to school and getting involved in sports and being good stewards of their their community, not worried about where their next meal is going to come from. So it felt so foundational to me that unless we take care of these young people that are someday going to take care of us, yep. um, not that I'm doing this for selfish reasons, but I suppose in somewhere in there, you know, there's going to be a young person or two out there that are going to have to help us as we get older. Yeah. Um, very, very foundational. And it was something that our audience could engage with. So real estate professionals are traditionally very community-oriented, um, giving people. Yeah. And I wanted something that they could contribute to as well. So actually, when people go to order coursework with us, they can contribute to the foundation at the time of checkout. So it only costs $4 to fill a bag of groceries that will feed a family of four for a whole weekend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we give them the opportunity to fill you know, as many backpacks as they want. Um, and our customers love it. They absolutely love it because it's an opportunity for them to give back 
as well. Yeah. Uh, it's such a foundational way. And then our employees love it. So the folks that are team members that are on the phone with these uh, prospective agents and existing agents, and they talk about what we believe as a company and our core value of giving back. And then they can engage in this really heartwarming conversation about the fact that, you know, just $4 is going to send a kid home with food. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Really, really fun. Do you, um, how do people partner with you or, or contribute to that cause? Uh, are there ways to? Absolutely. And yeah. I don't know how soon you're, um, uh, the recording of this will get out to your audience, but we actually do an annual fundraiser every year. Traditionally, we've done a bicycle ride. Okay. The first year, uh, my partner and I rode from Fargo, North Dakota to Denver. It was oh a blast. God. It was an absolute blast. How many blast. miles is that? It was about 1,100 miles. Holy It was geez. incredible. It was so much fun. Um, and we've done different iterations of that over this over the years. But this year, obviously, we're doing something vir- virtual. Yeah. So my team cooked up this idea called uh, the Fit for Food Challenge. So it's fitforfoodchallenge.com. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you make a commitment to do something healthy during the month of July, some kind of fitness challenge for yourself. Yeah. Mine, I was, um, I've kind of gotten out of running. So I said, I'm going to run two and a, at least two and a half miles twice a week for the month of July. And then I challenged my friends to do that. You can kind of think about the old ice bucket challenge. Yep. That yep, kind of idea. That. Then you go to fitforfoodchallenge.com, and there's a place to make a contribution to the foundation. It's a 501c3, so everything's tax deductible. And then there's all kinds of cool swag out there. So there's water bottles and T-shirts and sweatshirts and all kinds of cool stuff with these um, characters the team created. There's like this dancing avocado, and there's this apple that's doing this cool thing. They've made all these gifts that are animated online. (laughs) So that's our big thing for July this year. So when's the, um, so that's, that's going through the whole month of July going on now. Yep. And so by the end of July, is there any, like, what's the result of, so our goal is to raise 50 grand. Okay. Um, the CE shop is matching, um, up to the first 15,000 that's raised. I'm not sure where we are today, but we're making really good progress towards that goal. We've always hit our fundraising goals, always hit our fundraising goals. And that's just because our cause is so foundational Mm -hmm. and everybody can relate to it. But this we loved because it wasn't tied to people that were just into cycling or were just here in Denver. Literally, everybody within our community nationally can get involved in a really simple way. That's incredible. And yeah. given that we've all been kind of tied up inside during these summer months, let's get out and do something healthy for ourselves. And yeah, feed the some, sun's out. Yeah. Now's the time. Yeah. yeah. Feed some kids along the way. So I think that this episode should actually be going being posted in about a week or two. So uh, we can definitely do our part Great. to contribute to that. So cool. what's the... What's the, uh, say the, the name of the, uh, if somebody were to search for it on, on uh, social media platforms. Yep. It's the Fit for Food Challenge. So hashtag okay. Fit for Food. Got it. Fit for Food Challenge, CE Shop Foundation, all those things will get you there. But okay, the Fit cool. for Food Challenge. There'll be links com. to uh, contribute, to yeah. get involved. It's super cool. Awesome. It's It's so fun. And it, it's really kind of our annual opportunity to reach into the community and just see how incredibly generous people are. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, this was a f- f- uh, fantastic conversation. Uh, great to learn more about uh, how you guys have implemented the uh, the e-learning, um, you know, solution and really pushed that into the real estate world. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of the way I think most professionals do it at this point. So, I think you guys uh, were probably. You probably know, but probably one of the first to really start doing that in this industry. And we were in some of the ones to be the most focused, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, uh, and I'm glad that uh, we just learned about the uh, Fit for Food 
challenge because uh, I'm going to yeah. participate in that, and I'm sure uh, a lot of these Excellent. listeners will as well. So, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time again, and um, uh, let us know if there's any w- other ways we could be helpful on that uh, um, and your, with your foundation, and, and uh, appreciate your time. You bet. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Michael.